Welcome back, everyone, to a long-awaited episode of the Football MD Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Ronan, flying solo for today's episode, and I am so excited to welcome you back to another episode of the Football MD Podcast. First and foremost, we apologize for being MIA in the beginning of this season. Hope you all followed along on our social media pages and our website where we did keep you up to date on everything you needed to know coming into the 2019 season. But unfortunately, we haven't been able to get an episode out in a while, and that is due to some personal life events, positive ones at that, in both Mike and I's personal lives. So it had taken us away from you all, the fans, and trust us, we missed you just as much as you missed us. But the second thing to address is that for the time being, uh, you will be more than likely getting solo episodes from either Mike or I, unless we have a fill-in guest scheduled. Uh, We will keep you posted on those. And third and finally, this will be a two-part episode. This will be part A of our three-week breakdown. We realize that that's quite a bit. That's why uh, we'll break it down into two separate episodes, starting with the AFC on this episode. And then the next episode will cover the NFC. With that said, let's get right into it. We'll start at the bottom of the conference and work our way up. And up first is the Denver Broncos. 0-3 start. Uh, A little surprising here. Definitely, you know, week one, that big loss to the Oakland Raiders. You know, uh, 24 points to Derek Carr. Now I know they did go into Oakland. Definitely was a little bit of a shocker there. Nobody was expecting Oakland to explode, especially not even getting any snaps out of Antonio Brown. We won't talk too much about him because we don't want to give him the time of day. But, you know, you all know exactly what's been going on with him. As for the Broncos, after that, you know, two tough games, the Bears and the Packers, challenging. But definitely would have liked to see them be a little bit more competitive. You're not getting much offense out of veteran quarterback Joe Flacco. And you really aren't, you know, getting much from the run game that looked so good last year. So it's a little disappointing. And then, of course, obviously with Denver, you typically... Lean on the defense, which really isn't stopping people, you know, against the Chicago Bears, who haven't been sharp on offense this week. They let up 16 points, and in their other two games, they were allowing 24 and 27 points to the Raiders and the Packers, respectively. So, I mean, not like a fantastic start for the Broncos. They get a, you know, a better matchup for them uh, against a more defensive team. So, you know, somebody that they might not have to score so much on, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that'll be at home next week and uh, as for fantasy a little bit of a confusion in the backfield for the Denver Broncos Denver Broncos is Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman you know the passing game with Joe Flacco hasn't really been what we might have expected a little bit above what it was last year but um maybe that's going to take some time to develop the one thing we did expect was the run game to be uh much better and unfortunately it hasn't been um Philip Lindsay did get off to a nice game this past week, but besides that, they just, you know, very underwhelming. Very underwhelming. Hasn't really been too consistent. Like I said, Philip Lindsay with a big week this week, but first of the season for him, no doubt. Somebody that you were expecting to be a little bit more consistent um, this year, but they definitely want to make Royce Freeman a thing. They did draft him pretty early, and he is a talented player, so I understand their involvement, keep them both fresh. It could be a situation where less is more. But I think they just haven't figured out that split and how to get full value from those players. And quite frankly, for the Denver Broncos, for a season outlook standpoint, at 0-3 in a tough division, the only team without a win, even behind the Oakland Raiders, who are sitting at 1-2, 
it's going to be very murky at best is, you know, the being, being positive. That's the best way to put it. They're not going to really have too much of an opportunity this year, but you know, the sooner that Drew Luck returns from injury, the better, because quite frankly, Joe Flacco is not everything he uh, promised to be. And moving right along here, we'll get straight into the New York Jets, also at 0-3. Now, the New York Jets came out hot in Week 1. They um, started off the first half dominating the Bills, but unfortunately, it only lasted one half. Um, after that, the Bills... Put up 17 unanswered points to win the game 17-16, and that was their best showing all season. I mean, they had two tough matchups in the Cleveland Browns and New England Patriots after that. Um, Cleveland Browns haven't been as good as we expected, but you know, with all the hype around them, they are still um, a very talented organization nonetheless. And the New York Jets probably aren't up to that standard just yet, um, especially with missing Sam Darnold. Um, that's a that's quite a bit of news, but he's they say he's trending in the right direction now. You know, he didn't miss the past two games, weeks two and week three. But they said there's a chance he can be back in the lineup for week four against the Eagles. Um, and if not, at least have him by the um, the following week against the Cowboys. Not that he'll make much of a difference against the uh, Cowboys who are studs, but um, the Eagles, maybe they'll give him a chance, maybe. This team overall, you know, they did lose C.J. Mosley as well, and they just really haven't been performing as well as they had hoped. I mean, it seems that, like, the Jets might be used to this at some point. Um, you know, they haven't been great in a few years. They had one or two good seasons under Rex Ryan, but it's been a while for them. And, uh, unfortunately, not going to change this year. But I will say, watching the team as a whole and not just taking their record and you know, points into consideration. If you actually look at the talent on the field and the product on the field, I like what Adam Gase is doing. I do think they are an improving team. And his first year there, I would definitely say they're trending in the right direction. And unfortunately, they lost Mosley and Sam Darnold, two of their best players. And they're going to have to wait until next year to really try to be fully competitive and be in the, uh, the playoff hunt. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen for them this year. But switching gears to fantasy football for the New York Jets, Luckily for them, the signing of Le'Veon Bell has been tremendous. He's been awesome. He's played, you know, probably about 95% or more snaps for them. He really isn't missing anything. And he's still doing it all, and he hasn't missed a step. He's uh, just as agile and elusive as he's always been. His uh, patient running style is still evident. It's just, uh, you know, unfortunately, he's not on such a high-caliber offense as he was, but it really hasn't limited him from a fantasy perspective. Um, Sam Darnold being out has limited the passing game. They did lose Inunua this year again, unfortunately. That's uh, that's two times in three years. I really do feel bad. He's quite the player once he's eligible, but unfortunately some injury concerns have really uh, taken him out of the lineup. Robbie Anderson, who I expected to be a little bit better, is um, hasn't been um, due to, you know, not having Sam Darnold, but I do expect him at least for a game-to-game -game basis, maybe not as a season-long. Um, he won't have an impressive stat line, but as a game-to-game -game basis, when Sam Darnold get back, I will um, expect Robbie Anderson to be much improved. And they're awaiting the return of Chris Herndon, their emerging tight end from last season, but unfortunately due to suspension, he hasn't played. Um, that's really it. I mean... Their defense has had, you know, some good looks. You expect that from New York, actually. That's at least something that they 
have done consistently. You can rely on them for some good defense. And that really hasn't changed with Greg Williams at the helm of the defense. He's fiery. He motivates the players. And he gets turnovers. So even against, you know, the New England Patriots last week, they still managed a decent stat line uh, due to two touchdowns. You know, that's that's pretty much how they're going to score. They scored a touchdown, defensive touchdown in the first game. And they have yet to score an offensive touchdown. So, I mean, it is unfortunate. <laughs> but hopefully that will change when Sam Darnold returns. We'll move right along to the Cincinnati Bengals. Also sitting at 0-3 and really haven't been too impressive this year. I mean, you're getting a little bit more scoring out of them out of, you know, compared to the other two 0-3 teams we just discussed. But really nothing to be exciting about. Um Quite frankly, they need to move on from Andy Dolan. They have a lot to change now. Don't get me wrong. There are some highlights about this team. I do think uh, the new head coach, Taylor, has been excellent. It's not the same Cincinnati Bengals offense. They are stretching the field a little bit more. And you can see that with the emergence of John Ross, who's been excellent. You know, he did have a fumble this past week, but he's not going to be perfect. He's never, you know, been super strong. I don't expect him to be able to hold onto the ball through traffic. He'll probably, you know muff a catch or punt or two, whatever he's going to do. But he is a talented player, and he can stretch the field. And he's been able to do that on some occasion that has led to some success for them. But, unfortunately, not able to wrap up any wins with that um, offensive emergences. They were close this week against the Bills, but they just, you know, fell short. Joe Mixon has been pretty good. Um, you know, at least he's been dominating the carries. He's been dominating the workload. The interesting thing in is, without him, I think they look to Giovanni Bernard, which is really surprising. Because if you stuck with us throughout the offseason, you know they drafted quite a few talented running backs. They shaved some off in the offseason. They didn't keep all of them, but they do have a couple of young, talented running backs. But it is you know comforting to have the veteran Giovanni Bernard, who gets the game and has been in the NFL for a while. They just gave him a little extension. so. That job is Joe Mixon, and he has been great. The only thing we're waiting with the Cincinnati Bengals is the return of A.J. Green. We haven't seen him yet this year, but definitely hoping that once he does return, he can bring a little bit more oomph into that offense and maybe set them over the edge and get them uh, to compete into some games. Now coming up, they do travel to Pittsburgh, but with no Big Ben, that you know that's, that could be a winnable game for them. You know, you got Andy Dolan, who hasn't isn't great but he is a veteran against a young mason rudolph eh, might be able to pull something off there especially in the division that would be nice but i don't really think so i do think the pittsburgh steelers are a little bit more talented a little bit of a better team you do have mike tomlin their defense is you know a little bit better so i de definitely think the pittsburgh steelers will take that one but pittsburgh steelers are also sitting at 0-3 so should be a competitive game at least you know one of those teams will get a win next week. That's uh, that's uplifting for those two squads. But we'll move right along to the Miami Dolphins, also at 0-3. And, three. and whew, what is there to say about the Dolphins? You know, the only thing is for fantasy, if you're playing against the Dolphins, start them up. Everybody, anybody, you know, the third stringer, might as well put them in. You might get a touchdown, might not. Tony Pollard, back up for Zeke. He got, you know, touchdown in 100 yards. <laughs> so the Dolphins have been terrible this year. You know, Josh Rosen did finally get a start, but it didn't improve anything. 
The team is not talented, and they know it. They're trying to rebuild. So tough for Miami fans right now, but you got to stick it out. You got to be aware that that's going to happen. And drastic rebuilds like what the Miami Dolphins are doing, I actually stand by. I think that's the way to do it. You know, get rid of everybody. You know, change the culture. Get rid of everybody. Minka Fitzpatrick, perfect example. Great young player. You'd love to keep that guy in house. If he wants to walk, let him walk. You want to get players, acquire players that want to play for you. They want to be in Miami. You know, they feel some sense of pride. Maybe they went to college there. Maybe that's their hometown. Whatever it is, find somebody who's motivated to play for the Miami Dolphins. And let's start building a team the right way. Unfortunately, next year. This year is going to be a wash. Start them up against the Dolphins. You know, unfortunately, you're looking at. They're so bad, you can probably, I'll say, they'll be the only team that you might discuss having an 0-16 season. The rest of them will get a win so here or there. It's the NFL. You have to try to be that bad. You know, anybody can catch anybody in the NFL. It's very competitive. That's the thing that we love about the NFL. But you got to try to be that bad, and Miami's trying to be that bad. So they might be 0-16, unfortunately. But, like I said, they are rebuilding the right way, in my opinion. And brighter days ahead. Just unfortunately not right around the corner, more like, you know, a couple miles down the road. <laughs> and the last 0-3 team that we will be covering, and the most surprising, quite frankly, is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Even with losing Big Ben, they're a talented team, and I can't believe they're 0-3. I mean, I get it. They lost their starting quarterback, Big Ben, and you're not going to replace him. You're really not. But 0-3 for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Really? I mean. Weeks two and week three, Seattle and San Fran, close games. You know, um, probably should have won at least one of those games, even if it was Mason Rudolph against the San Francisco 49ers. But New England, week one, okay, they got dominated, dominated in New England. Like, come on, it, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I get it. The, the Patriots are amazing. They're amazing at home. I get it. But the Pittsburgh Steelers are if any team in the AFC supposed to be the ones competitive with the uh, Patriots, and they're just not looking good. Um, like I said, they're missing Big Ben. James Conner isn't what he promised. Uh, Juju, aside from a few explosive plays, really hasn't been all that he promised to be. So it's unfortunate, you know, and you're not getting anything from their defense. Their lowest points allowed this game was 24 points against San Francisco this past weekend. So yeah, I definitely think they'll win next week against the Cincinnati Bengals. At home, I think even with Mason Rudolph at the helm. But it's unfortunate. Sell high if you can. I mean, I don't know how high you can sell James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster right now for fantasy purposes. But I would definitely get rid of them if you can. Hopefully you drafted both of them and you can ship them out for one stud. That would be nice. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're going to get a ton of opportunity going forward. They'll lean on both James Conner and Juju. But we were all wondering if there was going to be a significant drop-off from... Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and well the answer is yes quite clearly they're just not producing the same level and you can make any excuse in the book but you know when those two players were there you had Big Ben there and never had any issues they were the most consistent offense if anything quite frankly it is upsetting from a fantasy perspective to not have that reliability but for the Pittsburgh Steelers they are a talented team I think they'll be fine I just think off to a slow start I doubt that they'll be able to rebound with the Ravens in their division. So probably a wash this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The one thing I will say is they're 
far and away better than these other 0-3 teams. They are the best 0-3 team in the NFL. Um, their roster really is much better than their record. They haven't been getting the production out of either side of the football. These things happen. It can happen quickly to pretty much any team, unless you're the New England Patriots. You lose a couple games, and in this league, you know, you get down 0-3, you're going to have a tough time battling back. So I don't hate the Steelers. Um, I think for a game-to-game fantasy perspective, they should be fine. James Conner and Juju, based on, you know, who they're playing up against, matchups, you want to make sure that you're playing them in positive matchups. James Conner's not a set of them, forget it. Juju, you have to play him. James Conner, I know you drafted him early. He's not a set of them, forget it guy. It's unfortunate, but that is the case. You have to make sure that he's got the good matchup because they're using other guys in the backfield, and quite frankly, he's just not being productive with his work. He's not getting a ton of it, but he's not getting—he's not being productive enough to warrant getting more. So, unfortunately, James Conner, somebody I definitely re- recommend, if possible, moving on from. Moving right along, uh, we'll touch on our first one and two team, and that'll be the Tennessee Titans. Big surprise week one. The Tennessee Titans come out the gate hot, so hot. They score 43 points up against the Cleveland Browns and hold them to 13 points. You know, everybody's getting involved. Everything looks great. And quite frankly, then they come back down to earth exactly where I thought they would be. They lose two straight. And after putting up 43 points in the first game, they were held to 17 points against the Indianapolis Colts in week two. And Jacksonville Jaguars held them to seven points in week three. Going forward, I don't think the Tennessee Titans are a great team. I think they have a chance next week because Atlanta has been terrible. That's hard for me to say. All of you know that you know I am an Atlanta Falcons fan, and we have been terrible, very inconsistent. I do think you know in Atlanta next week gives them a good opportunity. But with the Tennessee Titans, I do think they have a chance to win too because Atlanta has been very inconsistent. Um, you got to pressure that. That left side of the, um, I'm sorry, the right side of the offensive line for them. Uh, Caleb McGarry is young. He's talented and I love him, but he's young. And the right guard plan was Chris Lindstrom, also taken in the first round of the draft. And he is out. So you got to pressure that um, that side of the line. And honestly, the two guard spots, Jamon Brown and James Carpenter, have not been playing well. So there's your opportunity for the Tennessee Titans to get after him. Atlanta Falcons, if you let them hanging around, they will beat you. You saw that with the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Tennessee Titans, you have the chance to beat Atlanta. Go get to 2-2 two and two next week, and maybe your season will be serviceable. But quite frankly, I don't think you guys are that good. Tennessee Titans, unfortunately, I, that's I've been project, projecting them to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. I'm going to stand by that. I know that they got a win, and kudos to them. I'm happy for them. And like I said about the other 0-3 teams, there's only one that I would consider to probably be 0-16 at the end of the season. That's Miami Dolphins. The rest of them, all at 0-3, they'll, they'll get wins. No, And I'll even say wins, plural. They'll get one or two. But the uh, Tennessee Titans, I do think they'll be, at the end of the season, one of the worst teams in the league. Throw out that garbage uh, game by the Cleveland Browns in Week 1. And, you know, the tail of the tape is definitely a different story for the Tennessee Titans. On the bright side for them, a little bit of clarity. Time to move on for Marcus Mariota. And from a fantasy perspective, Derrick Henry is a beast. Why they didn't make the transition to Derrick Henry earlier, I don't know. I was so high on him last year going into 2018. And I was high on him coming again into 2019. I think he's a beast. I think he's one of the better running backs in the NFL. I don't care if he necessarily doesn't have 
the ideal speed that is required for today's NFL running backs. He makes up for it in other ways. He might be slow motion down the field. You still can't bring him down. So, And not only that, but in the fourth quarter, not many people want to tackle somebody the size of a linebacker. So Derrick Henry, they're finally starting to figure out that he's probably the best player on the entire team. Eh, the defense has some studs. The defense has some studs. I'm not going to lie. In the secondary, Byron's been great. Um, Adoree Jackson's coming on strong. Yeah, definitely some studs there. They have good secondary. They got plenty of good DBs. But still, best offensive player, hands down, Derrick Henry. Only guy you're trusting. A.J. Brown has been impressive, and I think A.J. Brown is going to be a great player. That's their rookie wide receiver. But it's also going to take some time for you know him to develop. And not only that, but he has the unfair disadvantage of Marcus Mariota throwing him the football. So not much you're going to expect from A.J. Brown from a season-long standpoint. But going forward next year, hopefully they learn that they need to move on from Mariota. And they set A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, who I believe is talented player as well you can set them up for success if you give them a better quarterback especially because they have a good offensive line they have some injuries this year they have some stuff going on but they do have a pretty decent offensive line that they could rely on so they need to get better quarterback play and then they'll be better until then not much is gonna change for the tennessee type moving on though to the jacksonville jaguars who beat the tennessee titans last week so this is perfect timing um for their only win of the season. Now, Jacksonville, this is a little disappointing because they have a stud defense. They have Leonard Fournette. They did get better with Nick Foles bringing him in. And their wide receiver core is not bad, in my opinion. They might not be household names, but they're talented players, and they can get the job done. But, you know, you start out week one against the Chiefs. Eh, that's unfortunate, but, you know, you expect that loss. They're amazing, the Chiefs. Week two, you travel to Houston. That's a divisional game, and you lose a tight one. Tight one. Uh, you lose 13 to 12, and quite frankly, you, you could have won that game. But you are missing Nick Foles at this point, and onward for the rest of the season, you're now starting Gardner Minshew. But he's the one who stepped in and got you the win against the Tennessee Titans and put up the most, you know, almost the most points in in the in the season. I mean, they did put up 26 points in Week One, but some of that was Minshew, and not only that, but a lot of that was garbage time. The Chiefs went up pretty quickly. They ended up with a total of 40 points, so I throw that point total away. In competitive games, you had 12 points in Week 2 and then 20 points in Week 3. You know, you got to be pretty happy with Gardner Minshew, in my opinion. He's been dynamite. Unfortunately for the Jacksonville Jaguars, though, I don't think that's going to correlate to, you know, season-long success. They will be up and down. Because Gardner Minshew is a young quarterback who nobody really expected him to be starting right now. you know. So that's a surprise, something that people got to adjust to. Might give them a little bit of an advantage, I guess, at times. Because you, there's not much tape on him. He's you know from Washington State and he was very good in college. But brand new to the NFL. So maybe giving them a slight advantage in the scouting department. Bigger, more unfortunate news for the Jacksonville Jaguars is Jalen Ramsey wanting to leave that's detrimental to the team if he does leave they got to really find a way to keep him on board i haven't heard anything since they did win this previous game and that's usually how things go for some of these diva players you know you did see the spat on the sideline between Jalen ramsey and head coach but once you start winning some games and if they can win a couple of games more things that are going wrong while you know you're losing 
those things start to clear up once you start winning games. Not that he's being bratty, but, you know, he's just being a little bratty. No, but in all seriousness, it, it's just the way the NFL works. It happens sometimes, you know, when you're losing games, ten, tensions run high. You know, this is, these are professionals, coaches and players. They're all professionals. They do this to win games, and losing to them is frustrating. They're pros. they got to be competitive. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I think better days are in head for them. Moving on to the Los Angeles Chargers, who, without Melvin Gordon, have been exactly what you thought. They were, they're good on offense, but it hasn't been good enough to really correlate into a ton of wins. They only got one on the season, and mainly because their defense is not playing too well. They did play well in Week 2 only letting up um, 13 points, but still those 13 points was enough for them to lose that game. And then in weeks one and week three, 24 points allowed and 27 points allowed to the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. You know, those are both conference in-conference games. You don't really want to go out there like that. You did get the win against the Colts, but the defense is just not playing as well as you would hope with guys like Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Casey Hayward, like, they got some studs, man, and I thought this team would be more competitive and closer to the Kansas City Chiefs than they are. They're not, so, you know, Kansas City Chiefs will blow away that division. I thought you might get two from that division this year, but it doesn't seem like it with the Chargers coming out the gate slow. I mean, it's still early, don't get me wrong, and they do have the Miami Dolphins next week, so I do expect them to get to back to 2-2. Two and two. And then from there, you know, the season is in their hands. They have Denver Broncos, they have the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have the Tennessee Titans. That's a favorable stretch of games for the Chargers. Denver Broncos at home, divisional game, that's good. So a favorable stretch of games, and I'm not even too scared of the Chicago Bears in Week 8. I'm not too scared of that. Eventually they'll go against the Green Bay Packers in Week 9. That'll be their next really tough game. But they have a slew of games that they can go on a run here and really repair this season for sure. Now, touching on some fantasy stuff, Austin Eckler, he's been great. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have been great. Um, obviously, more so Keenan Allen, but Mike Williams has de have definitely been very involved. You got to be, you know, excited about his involvement in the offense. And the surprise is Travis Benjamin. He's not really paying off. They're getting him the deep ball looks, you know, and that's been his role in that offense for quite a while. You kind of have been relying on that. He didn't need like you know ten targets a game like Keenan Allen. He needed five targets a game. Two receptions because both of them will probably be for 30 plus yards and probably a touchdown. Unfortunately, been pretty irrelevant. So you'll have to, you know, just stick to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and then Austin Eckler in that offense. The defense, like I said, hasn't been playing well. Don't want to rely on them. Although they have talented players, you're hoping they can right the ship. And like I said, they have a favorable stretch of games. So definitely consider them from a streaming perspective. But you know, definitely want to see it before you plug them into their lineup. So wait until this week against the Miami. Eh, maybe not. We wait. They got the Miami Dolphins next week. So maybe plug and play. Joey Bosa can get after Rosen for a little bit. Make him a night. Make it a nightmare type of day for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, that's been their season. But you know, why not? And we'll keep it rolling here. We'll get right into the Cleveland Browns sitting at one and two. And, you know, not really where you expected the Cleveland Browns to be with all the hype surrounding the team. But, you know, hype usually does that. It usually makes you believe the team is a little bit better than they actually are. Let's not forget, they are the Cleveland Browns, and they haven't really proved anything. Yes, they won more games last season than they have in the past, but still had a losing record. Um, didn't make the playoffs, so 
they're not an upper echelon team, although the hype kind of makes them sound like they are. You know, I like their team, Baker Mayfield. Nick Chubb has been amazing in the backfield. I've been adamant that Nick Chubb is one of the better running backs in the NFL. That is, you know, humble brag there because he's been up there, no doubt. Besides Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham Jr., you really haven't gotten much. That mix between Jarvis Landry and Odell hasn't really been worked out yet because the two of them have not really been, you know, working on the same page and the way you would expect them to be as best friends, as former teammates, but might take some time to really develop. From a fantasy standpoint, you know, you're still playing both Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. Nick Chubb has been amazing. Unfortunately, you're probably not getting the same amount of return you were hoping for on Baker Mayfield, especially with five interceptions this season already. But I do believe that they are a talented team and that they will probably get back on track. Not next week against the Baltimore Ravens, but, you know, they probably will get eventually back on track. Unfortunately, looking at the, their schedule, you got the Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, New England Patriots. That is a rough streak of games. That's going to be tough. You do have a bye week in there for week seven, but aside from that, that is a tough stretch of games. After that, though, you'll have the Denver Bronco, Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers, Miami Dolphins, Steelers again, Bengals, Cardinals, Ravens one more time, and then the Bengals. So, tough strip. Stretch of games coming up for the Cleveland Browns. But after the tough stretch of games, if they can steal one or two, they can really go on a season-long tear at the end of the season, exception being Week 16 against the Baltimore Ravens. But, you know, they're still in a competitive position, and they were able to get the one win against the Jets. They didn't lose to a scrub in the Rams. They did lose to a scrub in the Tennessee Titans, but that was just by circumstance. Week 1, the Tennessee Titans came out hot. They were motivated. Probably because of the amount of hype around the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, I wouldn't read too much into week one. It's always a little crazy. And I do think the Cleveland Browns will be fine. I think they will be the second best team in this division this year behind the amazing Baltimore Ravens. And up next, a pleasant surprise in my opinion, the Oakland Raiders at 1-2. and two. Now, they did get their sole win in week one against the Denver Broncos, 24-16. to 16. It was more of a bad game for the Denver Broncos than a really great game for the Oakland Raiders. But that being said, I believe the play in all three of their games have been relatively consistent, although it did net losses against the Chiefs and the Vikings, two very good teams. Nothing to be ashamed about there for a team like the Oakland Raiders, who with everything that went on, Antonio Brown preseason, and then into the beginning of the season, and then not only that, just not being one of the more talented teams in the NFL, I'm actually surprised with how well they've, you know, they've played. Yes, like I said, it's netted two losses against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Minnesota Vikings and only one win against the Broncos. But I will say, I think that they're better than I expected them to be. At least I definitely was expecting one of the worst teams in the NFL. I'm not saying they're definitely not one of the worst teams in the NFL, but I wouldn't put them on the Miami Dolphins, you know, 0-16. Obviously, they got a win already, but even before the season, I wouldn't have expected them to be, you know, bottom of the barrel bad like Miami Dolphins. But, you know, I definitely didn't expect them to be this good either. Not that they're great or spectacular by any means, but they've there's there's been things that are encouraging and for an NFL organization promising to build upon. You know, Josh Jacobs in between the tackles has been tremendous. I mean, just in general, he's been he's been very good. 
but he is he's going to make his money in between the tackles where he's going to average six, seven yards to carry. It seems like he's incredible. Obviously the passing game, a little, you know, fluky with, um, David Carr at the helm and not too many great wide receivers with Antonio Brown, never playing snap. Even with all that, the Oakland Raiders are making the best of their situation and kudos to them for that. I don't think it's going to be, you know, much of a promising season for them. I still think they'll get a ton of losses, but, I think they're ahead of where I expected them to be this year. And that's more promising for Vegas next year and in years to come. So, you know, for a team that's looking to build right now, not really looking to be competitive, the Oakland Raiders are exactly what we thought they were. Maybe even a little bit better. We will move on to now the first 2-1 team. Now we'll be covering the AFC teams with winning records. And we'll start that with the Indianapolis Colts sitting at 2-1. and one. This past week, they had a good game against the Atlanta Falcons. Like I said, the Atlanta Falcons have not been looking great. But the Indianapolis Colts, though, it's not like they just took advantage of a bad team. Jacoby Brissett he has been impressing. He was like completed 18 for 18 of his first 18, or like his first 19 passes or whatever it was in the, in the game. And threw for like 200 yards in the first half and like, two, three touchdowns, like absolutely demolished them in the first half. The team overall has just been pretty promising. Marlon Mack has been great. Um, even in week one, the loss to the Los Angeles Chargers wasn't a big loss. You know, they lost by six points. Um, and honestly, it was a game they could have won. They didn't, you know, wrap it all up, but they were just going through the sting of Andrew Luck announces, announcing his retirement and Jacoby Brissett taking over at there had to be some kind of some kind of lapse in play or you know production. Now this this week they get to go up against the Oakland Raiders. You know tough matchup after that against the Chiefs, but definitely can get another win here against the Oakland Raiders to set themselves up with a three and one record going into a Kansas City Chiefs night game. So they are in good shape right now. There's nothing to be worried about. The one thing to be worried about is T.Y. Hilton did experience an injury this past weekend and unfortunately probably won't be available for next week, but not too long-term. Shouldn't hinder him too much after that. He'll pretty much after, you know, next week be back in the lineup and they'll feed him the ball. Jacoby Brissett can throw the football. You're not missing too much um, there by not having Andrew Luck. You just have to adjust to the fact that, you know, He's not going to be as good, but he's still pretty good. He's pretty talented, so no uh, no stress there. We'll keep it rolling. Um, we'll go straight into the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are sitting at 2-1. and one. They're right about where you thought they were because they lose Lamar Miller. They don't really have too good of a backfield, and they really don't have too good of an offensive line. But what they do have and what you can rely on is stellar play by the defense, by the quarterback, Deshaun Watson, and the wide receivers, all of them, Kiki Kuti, Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, and, of course, DeAndre Hopkins. You can really expect the most out of all of those guys, but that's really where the consistency ends. Um, luckily, on the defensive side of the ball, they're pretty consistent, too, behind J.J. Watt. But as for the offensive side of the ball, the passing game and then the running game, if it's not Deshaun Watson, is very, very murky. The offensive line doesn't block too well. So for them to have two wins is good. It's promising. And their only loss was to New Orleans Saints, 
which if you saw that game in week one, nail biter down to the wire. And honestly, if it wasn't Drew Brees on the other side of the field, they probably would have gotten the win, the um, Houston Texans in week one. But because you did have Drew Brees, ice water running through his veins, steps out there with 30 seconds to go and uh, sets his team up for a game winning field goal. Absolutely amazing. And uh, really, really impressive that week one game. But the Houston Texans going to be, you know, going to be just fine. They got two good matchups in the next two weeks. They got Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons. And luckily, both of those teams are traveling to Houston. So the two consecutive home games against pretty soft matchups. We got Kyle Allen starting for the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons haven't been great. So definitely, um, you know, looking to go four and one into week six where they then face the Kansas City Chiefs and they'll have to prove it against, you know, one of their competitors in the AFC conference because, quite frankly, the Houston Texans, they have playoff aspirations. And if you're going to make it to the playoffs, you're eventually going to have to face a team, either the Kansas City Chiefs or the New England Patriots of that caliber. You're going to have to step up, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. That's the one that we'll be circling on our calendar, Houston Texans versus the uh, Kansas City Chiefs week six. Otherwise, like I said, Houston Texans, you know you know what you're getting from them. We do believe they're a great team. They have to keep putting it to be- together. Laramie Tunsil has to become more comfortable because the blocking hasn't been great, but they are improving. They brought in offensive linemen in the draft and in the offseason. Those guys have to take time to really, you know, get on the same page. But after that, you know, promising season for these Houston Texans ahead. Now, before we get to the undefeated teams, those are there's three in the AFC, and those will be the last three teams we we cover. We have one more two and one team, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. And it is a shocker that they are two and one because the Baltimore Ravens have been playing absolutely amazing football. Now, they one loss was of course to none other than the Kansas City Chiefs this past weekend, and it was a hard fought game by the Baltimore Ravens, but. They did lose handedly to the Chiefs. The Chiefs controlled that game. Um, they had a significant margin of, of victory at the end of it and, you know, pretty much through the entirety of the day. But week one's week two. You know, they did have two week matchups, the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins and Arizona Cardinals. Nothing that really scares you. Undoubtedly, it doesn't matter. The team looks great. Mark Ingram as the, as, as the running back was a great move. Uh, he looks as young as, you know, as he did when he just came out of college. He looks like he's got pep in his step. He looks tough, nasty, running between the tackles. He's he's juking. He's he's doing it all, and he can catch out of the backfield. So Mark Ingram, stud for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, I don't got to get into that. He looks like you know human highlight reel, and his throwing abilities have come out this season. Something we didn't see last season during his eight-game stretch, which he was also impressive. But to see the whole game now come out, he's going to be a franchise guy for years to come. There were some question marks at the end of last year because you didn't really see him throw the football. This year, he's slinging the rock, and it looks beautiful. So, very promising for the Baltimore Ravens. Honestly, quite frankly, I'm going to be, you know, maybe a little bold here. I think what's holding him back is Harborough. I think he's done. I think he's got to go. Um, he's smart. He makes some good coaching decisions, especially when it comes to special teams plays. The defense is good. The offense is good. In my opinion, what's going to take them to the edge is they got to get some better coaching in there. Maybe a more modernized scheme, maybe something you know, something to really accentuate Lamar Jackson, uh, get him in and out of you know 
reads quickly, let him get the ball out quickly, and you know, let him make some plays on his feet. It looks like they're trying to do that this year, but it's not like the way the team was designed. They got to redesign the team around Lamar Jackson now, and uh, I think to do that, getting rid of Harborough would be beneficial. But regardless, the Baltimore Ravens studs this year. Um, definitely check them off for 10 wins at the very least, and definitely division winners in our opinion. So we'll move right on to the 3-0 teams. The most surprising, of course, is the Buffalo Bills. Um, now, the Buffalo Bills, they did have two, they did have three soft matchups, so it's not like they've been overly impressive, but Josh Allen has been decent. He's been pretty good, and a win's a win's a win. It doesn't really matter. Who cares that it was against the Jets, the Giants, and the ba- the Bengals? Now, are they going to be- get a big old slice of humble pie in Week 4 against the New England Patriots? You betcha. But, unfortunately, that's the way of the world. They then go to Tennessee. They play Miami. They got games that they can win. And at that point, if you're looking at maybe a 5-1 record, your team's feeling good. And you, and you got some confidence. And now you might steal a game or two that maybe you would have been expected to lose. So. Definitely some some promising um, a promising start for the New York's team, right? That's what Josh Allen called it. Josh Allen said, "We're the best team in New York. We are in New York, and that's the Buffalo Bills. They've been great so far. Got to be excited if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Um, Bills Mafia is great for the NFL. When the Bills are winning, the NFL is a better place. It is just much more enjoyable. So we like to see the Bills doing well. And like I said, you know, it's just everything they did. Devin Singletary, Terry Frank Gore." They have a better backfield than they had last year. They're all, their wide receiver group with John Brown, Cole Beasley added to it, way better, astronomically better. Their defense still making plays, but they definitely brought in a ton of talented guys on the defensive side of the ball to match their, you know, shut down corners. So really, the Bills have everything you want. And although I don't think they're going to be the AFC champion at the end of the season, I definitely think they will be. Um, I definitely think they'll be in the playoff hunt. Maybe fall short, just short. They are in a tough division against the New England Patriots, also sitting at 3-0. And uh, it's going to be tough, but I do expect the Buffalo Bills to be definitely a quality team this year, especially starting off 3-0, hot start. And for a fantasy perspective, Josh Allen has been up and down, but I definitely actually like him for the longevity of the season, especially in good matchups. And as for the rest of the offense, really Devin Singletary, Frank Gore, depending on how they mix up the carries, I think you know you might be able to use both of them. When they're both in the mix, it's going to cap their you know production. But when you get one of them by themselves, like you got Frank Gore this past weekend, um, you know that's a definitely going to be an enticing situation you're going to want to take advantage of. As for the receivers, I think John Brown is really your best bet. I think besides that, the ball is going to get spread around. It's not going to go to one person too consistently. But I think John Brown's going to offer you those big plays, that explosiveness that you're looking for in a high upside type of player that you know is not going to get. 10, 15 receptions per game. He's playing a ton of the snaps. He is getting a lot of targets. He's just not going to have that many catches, but he doesn't need that many. He's explosive. He'll catch the ball down the field and uh, definitely make some big plays and score some touchdowns while he's at it. So definitely the guy to look for in that offense. Moving on, and we'll wrap this up pretty quickly because the last two teams that we'll cover, there's really no surprise around. The first being the New England Patriots sitting at 3-0, and then the last is the Kansas City Chiefs also sitting at 3-0. For the New England Patriots, Sony Michelle has been great. There's been some injury concern around him. Quite frankly, he's fought through it so far, but you know, 
you know the Patriots. They're not going to force him into too many games if they don't have to, which they don't have to. So to have him ready for the playoffs, he'll miss his game or two there. Um, James White missed this past week for the birth of his son. So congratulations to James White and the birth of his son. That's got to be exciting. Definitely a good reason to it to miss a football game. And Rex Burkhead, you know, he got he got to benefit from it for this week. You know, and that's probably what will happen. Rex Burkhead will be the main beneficiary of any of the starting running backs who miss time. Starting running backs, including Sony Michelle and James White. James White will always have a role there as long as he remains with the team. And as for the receiving group, you know, you had a little strange mix-up in Week 2 with Antonio Brown. But, you know, you got Tom Brady slinging the rock. And now that Antonio Brown's gone, they're facing some injuries. I really do believe Josh Gordon is the guy that you want. I know Edelman is good, and he's probably the most consistent. He's probably Tom Brady's favorite target. But at the same time, I just think Josh Gordon's talent, more explosive, um, stretch the field, make some bigger plays downfield, you know, and inside the red zone as well. I think Josh Gordon is a great bet. I also think Philip Dorsett is a sleeper, a sneaky sleeper that you might want to keep an eye on because he can stretch the field as well. And, you know, Tom Brady, if he sees that cover one or cover zero, he's not afraid to uh, let the rock go. So definitely, you know, this is the New England Patriots. There's not much to cover. I'll move on to the Kansas City Chiefs because we know what the Patriots are. What are you looking at? 12, 13 wins. They're going to play great on defense. They're great on defense, just as good on defense this year as they have been in any years recently. So we'll move right on to the Kansas City Chiefs. No surprise that they're sitting at 3-0, and we know how they get it done. Their defense has not been great. They've been letting up a pretty decent amount of points, and really they've just been outscoring their opponent. You know, That's what the Kansas City Chiefs with over the past two years with Patrick Mahomes at the helm has been known for. You know, uh, They did have a pretty good week defensively against the Oakland Raiders, but you know, the Oakland Raiders, they're not blowing the doors off offensively. So as for the Kansas City Chiefs, they're really just, you know, they're slugging it out with their offense. Patrick Mahomes, what can you say about him? But really the interesting thing is it's not too many of the same faces this year. You know, no Kareem Hunt. So you got LaShawn McCoy. He's probably the back to own there going forward. He's going to have the most touches. You know, Damian Williams didn't lose the starting position, but just the injury. And LaShawn McCoy is an Andy Reid guy. He played for him for a long time. In Philadelphia, and I think if you know Andy Reid could have had his way, they would have never separated. I think Andy Reid would have brought him over years ago to the Kansas City Chiefs with him when he left Philadelphia, but he wasn't able to. They got to you know reconnect now, and you know sky's the limit for them because uh, they look great. And obviously Patrick Mahomes slinging that rock. Any wide receiver in the offense is really producing. Obviously Travis Kelsey, the most consistent. Um, option in the receiving passing game but as for the other pieces no no Tariq Hill Sammy Watkins had a big day week one and between Demarcus Robinson and McCole Hardman they've been exploding onto the scene the past couple weeks so you know not not really big headline news because we knew what the Kansas City Chiefs were coming into the season but building on where they were last season and going to be just as dominant as last year so that is your AFC wrap-up, guys. That is the breakdown for the first three weeks. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check out episode 60. Um, that will be the return of the pod, po- return of the pod part B, um, where we break down the NFC for the first three weeks of NFL football. And then going forward, we'll just be giving you one week at a time, cover all the teams, keep it nice and organized for you. But this week, we did have to split it up. 
once again, thank you guys for joining us. You know, as always, follow us on footballmdpodcast.com or at our social media social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at footballmdpod. You know, you can always get a ton of great content there as well as our website. And, you know, once again, just thanks for joining us. Sorry, sorry for being MIA for the first couple of weeks, but going forward, you can expect your weekly episode. And don't forget episode 60, the second half, the second part to this episode where we cover the NFC um, for the first three weeks of the NFL. Thanks for joining us, guys, and have a great night. Um, hope to see you guys next week.